This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. Hello and welcome to Denized by the weekly podcast which uncovers what's really going on in the world of diversity and inclusion. I'm Dr. Julie Humphreys. And I'm Natasha Whitehurst. And in today's episode, we're exploring how the menopause impacts the retention of top talent. And today we're joined by Lauren Chiron, CEO of Women of a Certain Stage. She leads a team of associates in educating large employers on menstruation and menopause while implementing systems to support and retain top talent. Welcome. Thank you so much. It's brilliant to be here. And whilst we will refer to women in this episode, we also want to highlight the experiences that may apply to a broader group of people, for example, trans men and non-binary people in this context. So we're going to uh, kick off um, and we are going to go into specifics as we progress our conversation. But broadly speaking, how does the experience of the menopause impact the retention of top talents in the workforce? Such a great question. And it's been really fascinating over the last 10 years to see the different types of conversations and awareness of the intersectionality between menopause and people being attracted to and remaining in post. And some statistics are showing us that in recent years, we've lost nearly a million women, mostly you know, in, in all different types of roles, but a lot of senior women stepping away. And particularly, I've been working very closely as an executive coach, supporting a number of them. And when you break it down, there's a lot going on in someone's life when they become menopausal, depending how they become menopausal as well can be another issue that we can maybe touch on. And it is definitely something that plays a significant role in how someone feels, thinks and behaves about themselves, about their job role. And therefore, the work environment is really, really important. And and so that's really, that kind of leads me on to my next question then and making it really specific. So are there any specific challenges that uh, menopausal women face that might affect the decision to stay with an organisation or even seek a new opportunity? Multiple, multiple challenges. So I think that's that's a really complex question to unpick. So if you think about the fact that people that go through menopause are working much longer and later into life than they've ever done before. And as you said, we're talking about our trans, some of our transgender and non-binary and gender questioning community as well as our women. So when we think about the fact that women are now working in more senior roles than they've traditionally done, they're working longer and later into life. Women over 50 are the fastest growing economically active group in the UK, and that pretty much translates across the states as well. So we're now in a position where we've got women going out to work, holding down leadership roles where traditionally they hadn't done that, and they're in an environment, a built environment and a culture that was designed for men by men. So the types of things that we go through as women, we're going through our monthly cycle with our fluctuation of estrogen and progesterone and testosterone every month. By the time we get to perimenopause, where that's become less predictable and then menopause itself, our bodies are going through some fairly big transitions that if the workplace was better set up, if we had better facilities around us, if we had a different culture around us, it would be so much easier to navigate this time of life. So yes, 
The short answer is yes, there is a lot that goes on at this time of life. So we need to start thinking about the language we use. We need to be aware and understand what menopause is. We know that over 86% of women, and when I do say women, it's because it's research or analysis that's been done specifically on women up to this point. So 86% of women neither know what menopause really is, nor how it's going to impact them. And I know that because I was one of them. And that's why I've gotten so involved in this topic. I left my job as a senior exec in my early 40s thinking I had early onset dementia. So we need to get the education out there for the people that are going to go through it and the people that they'll live, work and socialise with as well so that everyone can pull together and pull in the same direction. If you think about the incredible achievements that we achieve, that we've we've managed from school, perhaps we've done further educational activities, we've we've had relationships, we've taken on roles at work, and we've done all of that while we've going through periods, menstruation. So can you imagine how much we can actually achieve post-menopause when we're not having to manage all of that? And I think it could be seen in such a positive light. And if we had the right setup from a built environment, from a culture, from an understanding point of view, we could absolutely navigate this in a completely different way. I find that really interesting. I do find that interesting about your background, actually, Lauren, about the the, the, the fact that you, <clears throat> excuse me, you um, thought you got early onset dementia. Because I, I feel like sometimes that I am going absolutely bonkers you know, I go into meetings and, and, and it's not like the old days where I used to think, oh, I'll just go into a room and I'll forget what I'm there for. I go into a, a, a big meeting and when you blank, your mind just goes blank. And it's and, and I felt that that similar feeling to, to thinking, you know, um, have I got dementia? Have I, you know, I do all the dementia tests and things like that. And, and it's, it, it's horrendous. It really is. And so my question, I suppose, to you is, you know, what, what's the potential impact of these sort of menopausal symptoms on job performance and, and could that influence retention as well? Yeah, and I think that the the key really is awareness and understanding. And if you don't know what's going on, you don't know how to address it. If you don't know what's going on, you don't know how to ask for help and support. If you don't know what's going on, then how can the people around you know what to do to help and support you either? So, you know, the, the reality is we need to start to learn about menopause because if our estrogen is being impacted and estrogen is related to so many of our body systems, so it's affecting our brain health, our heart health, our bone health, it affects our mood. There's a direct link between things like serotonin and oxytocin, you know, our feel good and our connection chemicals in our body. So when estrogen levels are coming down or oxytocin levels are coming down, that's the that's the hormone we release when we have a baby that helps us connect and bond to that child. So if you think about drops in oxytocin and you might think, you know, on a month to month basis when you're going through your periods, there are times in the month when we're less connected from the people around us and other times when we're more gregarious and outgoing and we want to be with everybody, right? So when that starts getting out of sync and we're less connected, our trust in others is diminished. Our focus and concentration can be impacted. If you think about things like progesterone levels declining, that can affect how our ability to switch off and relax our ability to get a good quality night's sleep. Now, sleep is one of the top issues that people have during menopause. So if we even just think for a moment, let's put menop uh, let's put sleep to one side, but then think about, sorry, let's put menopause to one side, and but think about lack of sleep. Just think for a moment how you feel when you've had a few nights of disturbed sleep. And even without menopause, that can be really trying and really difficult. So that your concentration, your sense of self, your value, your ability to focus and concentrate can be impacted. 
And then you bring menopause into the mix when you've got all this uncertainty because your hormone levels are fluctuating really wildly and you're not aware of what's going on. So therefore you don't know what to do and how to get help and support. You can be left literally struggling to find a word. There was one meeting where I sat holding onto the arms of the chair, looking at the clock, waiting for the hour to be up so that I could wait for everyone to leave the room and then use the wall Marcel Marceau-like to get back to my desk because my heart had been beating out of my chest. I was having palpitations for a solid hour and thought I was going to fall on the floor and collapse. I've got no clue to this day. So there's so many different things that can happen, that focus, that concentration, that sense of self. And when you've got no sleep or disrupted sleep, and you know it might be you've got to get everyone out to work in the morning or to school then you're getting yourself ready you've had your shower you've gotten yourself ready and just as you're about to walk out the front door you have a massive hot flush you're covered in sweat and you don't know then do i carry on to work for for fear of being late or do i go back and freshen up so i can go back feeling good in my skin Mm -hmm. so there's so many different ways you know no two people have the same experience going through menopause but the the kind of focus and concentration the sense of self and the value, sense of calm, all of these things are pretty common across a lot of people. So so as a follow-up to that then, so are people or, or women self-selecting, is there any research on this that people are self-selecting before all these um, symptoms sort of escalate? Are they self-selecting out of the workforce or out of roles um, or, or are they waiting for it to, to hit them and then they're thinking, I can't cope? bit of everything. I think everyone is so unique and everyone's journey is so different. So, you know, in some environments where you've got a really good community support, it might be the case that you've got a small group of other people going through the same experience and therefore you've got this kind of joking, uh, collaborative, I'm not alone sense of this is dreadful, this is menopause, but we're going to get through it together because I don't feel isolated, I don't feel alone. Or in my situation where you're working in a very male-dominated environment, nobody's talking about it. You're about 10 years younger than anyone that normally goes through menopause. You've got no clue what's going on. You don't want to be seen as weak. You don't want to be seen as vulnerable. I mean, I was a top performer, so there was no challenge or question over me actually producing the work. I'd built an incredible team. And because they were such a tight team, they were able to carry the work and we didn't drop the ball in anything. But the type of comment I was getting from senior colleagues was, You look like you're walking around this place as if you've got the weight of the world on your shoulders. So when you're getting these kind of, I guess if you wanted to classify them, passive aggressive comments, they could be perceived as that, although I think they were said with good intent. The reality is they don't know what's going on. You don't know what's going on. And my choice and many senior women I've worked with, their choice has been to step away before they get found out. So I think there's a difference in terms of when people are aware of what's going on, they know what to do about it and they'll do something about it. And when you don't know what's going on or you think that all these years of hard work and effort are going to be jeopardised because you're going to be seen as weak or vulnerable and you might just decide then to step sideways, go part-time or to leave altogether. And what a huge loss to the workforce to lose these really capable women, yourself included. Um, So are there any strategies or best practice that an organisation can adopt to support those employees, but in turn retain that top talent? Because that is a huge loss to any organisation. Yeah, I think we, we, first of all, have to start partnering with organisations to go and speak to girls at school. And this is my overall ideal 
best case scenario. So we want to have girls from the age of 14, 15, maybe younger, actually learn about their cycle, understand what their hormones are, understand what their monthly differences are and when to ask for help and support, how to ask for help and support and who to get that help and support from. And not just to merely request it, but to go in with a very firm stance saying, this is happening for me, I understand these are options and I want you to work with me to make these a possibility. Because we've got far too many people that will stumble into perimenopause will have a surgical or a medical menopause who have got no clue what's going on for them because they don't understand the basics. Mm. So we need to do that at school. So we need people to be better educated. So then when you bring that into the workplace, we have to continue that conversation. We need to be doing menopause awareness sessions for everybody. And we need to make sure that people going through menopause fundamentally understand what it is and what they can do to help themselves. We are not asking anyone to put their hand in the air and say, hey, I'm menopausal, right? We don't need that. That's an individual choice. We're not shining a light or trying to show anyone up. But what we want to do is upscale individuals to be able to ask for the right help and support. So whether you do that through an overarching um, diversity and inclusion policy, a wellbeing policy or HR policies or a standalone menopause policy, it depends what fits best with an individual work culture. We need to make sure the nuances and the languages are right. We want to make sure that all toilets, men's and women's gender neutral, all toilets have got sanitary wear so that no one feels embarrassed or, you know, we have a massive period poverty issue going on where people can't afford sanitary wear. Yeah. So we want to make sure that that's available in both sets of toilets and in gender neutral toilets as well. We want to make sure there's cupboards in, to in office buildings so that even if you haven't got an individual locker, there's a cupboard that you can go to to get a change of clothes, a fresh pair of trousers. So a few pairs of trousers in different sizes, sanitary wear, a wash bag, because if you're having hot flushes or you have a sudden... Um, heavy bleed or you have uh, urinary leakage, you need to be able to freshen up, you need to change. So you need space to be able to do that as well. And that's really important. In an ideal world, when offices are being built or refurbished, we want to try and get um, toilets and sinks together so that people using menstrual cups or anything else, that they can do that in the privacy of one unit rather than having to carry their items you know, from a toilet into a sink area where perhaps you know the, there's more people around. We need to think about natural light. We need to think about having access to cold water and areas where people can just sit and be calm. Line management training. Upskiller line managers. I think over the last few years, managers have had such a tough time of it, just trying to keep the wheels moving in their particular role. So let's give them the soft skills. Let's give them the knowledge and the understanding of how to recognize that someone who might be experiencing symptoms of menopause and give them the, the tools to be able to open a conversation and effectively signpost their colleagues so that we can do that before things become a performance issue, not once they've become a performance issue and everyone's feeling quite anxious about the situation. So there's so many, I mean, I could I could obviously talk about it, I've been doing this for 10 years, yeah. right? So I could talk about this for hours, but in an ideal scenario, we just want to normalize the conversation on something that 51% of the population is going to go through and everyone else is going to be impacted indirectly because they live, work or socialize with them. And so once um, once an organization has um, got some of those um, uh, provisions in place and maybe maybe some of this is kind of activated, how does an organization actually communicate their support for menopausal employees to really demonstrate that commitment to um, retaining that top talent, do you think? Yeah. Yeah, it's such an important question because it's all about communication, right? 
Um, and that's what we're doing here. We're talking about it. We're going to be sharing this with people to learn, to understand, to think about what's that one thing that they can do differently to improve the situation for menopause. We're not asking everyone to go and do a million things, but if everyone listening can just think, think take away one thing from today and implement that at work, you're going to make everything a better place for everybody. So for me, it starts right back at the beginning, job design, person specification, your recruitment process. Are you communicating right at the very beginning when you're starting to attract people to work with you that you are women's health friendly, that you are menopause friendly, um, that you are savvy and supportive to people that are going to go through menopausal experiences? Are you during your recruitment process and your onboarding actually signposting people to the right places where they can get help and support, either to support a colleague that's going through menopause or they themselves? So we're not trying to isolate the people that have become menopausal. What we want to do is make it everybody's responsibility to have that conversation comfortably and confidently. Then we want to make sure our HR systems have got a flag on it. We, if we're not measuring this, then we don't get, we don't have any awareness. So we need the analytics. We need to start having flags in the HR system that show that people are taking time off to manage menopause, mm. or um, for related appointments, so that we can see on an annual basis what those numbers are, which pockets of our colleagues are being impacted, and what it is we need to do to improve that for them. There was an amazing study in Australia where, in the health service, they had offered up for everybody who would have challenges with their periods or their menopause to have as much time off as they needed and free sanitary wear. And there was a massive pushback because everyone's going, they're just going to take all the sanitary wear. They're going to stop buying their own products and take everything that's there. It's going to cost a fortune and they're going to take tons of time off. And this is just going to really backfire. The reality was on average took over a day less off every year. And the sanitary wear was only used when needed and they've rolled it out as a permanent solution now because people felt hard, they felt seen and they felt supported. They felt like they belong, which is you know, our common denominator. We just don't want to feel like we belong, right? We want that safety and security. So the reality is we need to start thinking differently when we think about women in the workplace or people that go through menopause in the workplace. We just need to start thinking differently. It's not an open the door, park the personal life you know, behind that door and then you're just the work person as you walk through it, you're bringing an element of yourself with because you might have a different persona at work. So we need to think about the metrics. We need to think about the flag in the HR system. And then finally, the other thing, uh, not finally, but the next thing we need to think about is exits. Are we asking people when they leave what we could have done differently? Mm. You know, we need to get constructive in those conversations as well. So from that point of view, I think the entire colleague journey has to be reviewed. And then the other thing is, you know, Use the days in the year that are there. You know, I'm, I wish we didn't need them, but World Menopause Day on the 18th of October, International Women's Day on the 8th of March. There's many other days throughout the year we, we can add menopause into the conversation and into the mix. Make sure that you've got menopause socials. So communicate that out. Signpost the free courses. Signpost um, the incredible resources that are available that are fact-based. So making sure that that is information and there isn't just a, we have a menopause policy and it sits in a file that nobody knows about. So we want to make sure that we breathe life into these things by, you know, cross-pollinating all the incredible work that companies do do on menopause with all the other incredible work they do in the diversity and inclusion space. Some really great examples of things that the organisations and leaders can do there. Are there any companies that spring to mind that have successfully implemented initiatives or policies um, to retain their sort of I don't like to say menopausal top talents, but top talent who were experiencing the menopause. 
Yeah, I mean, I've worked with so many different companies now. There's a lot of organizations doing some great stuff. And one of one of the things that always sticks in my mind is one of the financial services firms that I work with, they noticed that their middle, their upper middle managers, when they looked at performance from their mid-level managers, but their top mid-level managers that were just about to take the next step into senior management positions, and they assessed the performance level. And they noticed that on average, the women outperformed the men by about 12%. And then when they looked at what the level up at the at the first senior level in their, which was kind of director level role in uh, in an easier to understand term, it was 90% men and 10% women. So when they broke that down, it came back to the fact that it was a culture. It was a dynamic in the organization that there was a belief that men were leaders and there was an expectation that they would be socializing after work. There was an expectation um, of the hours that they would put in and a real lack of flexibility around how they would perform. So when we started talking about menopause and periods in their office, they started to completely change the narrative on how they did their leadership training and they blended in menopause into those leadership um, academies and leadership conversations and any programs that they put together, they made sure that they looked at what circumstances are we creating for our colleagues so that it's fit for them rather than just fit for the business the way it's always been. And actually that was that was really powerful. So that was only three and a half years ago at the time of recording this, but already that balance has come down to about 60% men and 40% women. So there's been quite a good shift in a relatively short time, not perfect, not there yet, but you know they now have consistent pipeline of talent right the way through the organization instead of just having heavy duty you know 60 70% women at the entry and mid level positions and then losing that as you get further up the ranks so it's nice to see that they've got that pipeline they've got succession planning right the way through the business now and again it's about the cultural conversations about thinking about the dynamics and and being less structured around the turn up at this time finish at that time and having more flexibility around the outputs rather than the how a job gets done. Are there any sort of training programs or, or resources that can help employees and managers? I mean, we hear a lot about menopause champions recently, um, you know, and sort of, uh, I don't want to say tick box, but, you know, you, you get trained in a certain thing and then that's it, you're suddenly a champion. Is there anything that, that holds value for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I can talk about this for hours as well. So, I mean, one of the key things that we do is we offer a free Menopause the Basics program and it's a half hour day over three days. So it goes through. The first day is all about ages, stages, facts, definitions and symptoms. The second day is all about how to successfully navigate menopause. And the third day is all about menopause at work. So we look more at the legal, the reputational and the business case for someone to be a menopause savvy and supportive employer. So that's open to everybody and whether you're going through menopause or not, whether it's your mum that's going through it or someone else, that's open to everybody. And you can come back on that time after time after time because we just keep updating it every two months. We train menopause champions. It's a short training. It's more about being able to spot signs and intervene, effectively signpost somebody. But we give 12 months support afterwards because you don't go on a training course for an afternoon and then suddenly become magically this person that can fix all problems in menopause, right? So we do 12 months ongoing support to help make sure that people learn how to use that title of menopause champion. And for some people that can be just the occasional conversation to support a colleague. For other people, they'll start doing presentations, they'll run menopause social events, they'll do all sorts of things. 
So menopause champion is a very broad term and people individually decide for themselves or their organization will work with them to think about what does that really mean for them going forward. And then the other one that's becoming incredibly um, popular now is the menopause coach. So upskilling DNI, upskilling HR, up, upskilling internal coaches to help them become a menopause specialist coach. And what that enables them to do is take people through a seven week coaching program or run sessions and workshops and seminars and do talks on practical solutions, because I think that's what we all really need. You can learn about a topic until you're blue in the face, but what you really need is to know, so so what? <laughs> now, what do I do? So we want to give people the opportunity to create a plan to support their colleagues or to create a plan to support themselves so that they can truly navigate their way through menopause without a hitch. And I think when you put them all in place and you are regularly using, you know, wherever you go for your training, you know, as long as you've got that kind of menopause as the heartbeat of the business, knowing that it's something that you can um, talk about easily, that you've got a signposted person in the business that you can go and speak to who can help you figure out your way forward. What what role does um, sort of employee resource groups or networks play in retaining this top talent? Yeah, I think, again, you know, it depends on the culture of the business and, and the organisation and what they want to do um, with their employee resource groups. I think all networks have a role to play in bringing people together away from their desk or away from the manufacturing line or away from, you know, whatever their, their, day, they, their day job is. And I mean, that should ideally be a safe space to help develop people in a, both a professional and a personal way. It should be a space for people to create conversations and ask the organization. It should be a two-way, I believe, it should be a two-way communication where both the organization uses the employees resource groups to give messages and, and then they can gather information and feed that back up the line so that there can be an interactive conversation highlighting areas that need to be improved. So whether that's menopause awareness, line management training, policies and procedures, external signposting, and often, you know, the type of thing I've seen come out of that is, well, I went to the private medical insurer or I went to the employee assistance program and they just gave me one session of cognitive behavioral therapy and told me to get on with it. Or I had an occupational nurse-led assessment um, because I was feeling so stressed and I wasn't sleeping. I thought it was menopause, but she told me it was just stress and anxiety. You know, so we need to be able to signpost where the employee assistance program, the private medical, the occupational health haven't had that menopause awareness training as well. Um, so I think I think the ERGs can be really useful for a number a number of topics. And again, you know, I think diversity inclusion is such a huge topic. There's so much for all of us to learn and we're always evolving. We're always learning. There's always new language to be aware of and being mindful that even in any given community, whether it's menopausal, or any other community, we all have a different take on what that means and how we want it to be seen in the workplace. So I think the employee resource groups are a great place to kind of gather that information and also to disseminate where people can get help and support. Thanks, Lauren. That's that's it's been a really fascinating um, conversation, actually. Um, and as as we've said, and, and you've been very action orientated throughout this episode. So thank you so much. Uh, we'd like to ask one more. Um, action from you actually um, our listeners will will sort of end this episode thinking back and trying to do something um, so what would you like that to be build your knowledge build your knowledge on menopause go away and find a resource that you're really comfortable with I'm sure you'll be putting plenty of resources in the, in the show notes but go to a trusted source of information 
make sure it's factual, it's backed up by science, and that you can get to a place where you can confidently explain what menopause is and feel comfortable doing that. Brilliant. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, a, a brilliant, fascinating conversation on uh, the retention of our top talent in organisations. So thank you so much. Pleasure. You can find us on Twitter. Our handles are in the show notes below. And if you've liked what you've heard, please rate us wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to get new episodes automatically. Thanks for listening.